0: Sarah's gone we don't know where she went well, Sarah she's not walked back. down
1: in the middle of the <laughs> podcast And hasn't returned And is not answering our text messages
2: Well that's because we were not talking about You know South Dakota Iowa Like upper Midwest geography We will get to that in a oh, subsequent I'm sorry. episode If
0: we want to talk about South Dakota geography let's Let's get into it Hey there, welcome to Hot Takedown, the show where the hot takes of the sports world meet the numbers that prove them right or tear them down. Today is September 14th, 2021, and I'm Sarah Ziegler, the sports editor at five thirty eight. Joining us from back in Pennsylvania is senior sports writer Neil Payne. Hi, Neil.
2: I'm back. It's exciting.
0: Back in your bunker
2: back in my bunker uh although you know what we won't get into i'm sure the the cold open will be edited in a certain way that won't make it clear that i'm going to texas uh later uh in the week but i am gonna be in texas uh but (laughs) probably won't be recording a podcast from there i'm not actually sure when we leave interesting Interesting. i'm trying to do a podcast from every state is that okay
0: No, I think that's fun. That's that's a good goal for all of us.
2: Yeah, because you started sort of like making it state based. Yeah. And so I was like, well, I've checked off Pennsylvania. I've checked off New York. Well, I guess multiple times. That's that's <laughs> just sad. Although many New Yorkers would say upstate, uh, you know, anything north of the Bronx is sort of a, just a different state. Yeah. I so don't it know. counts multiple yeah. times.
0: Uh, representing California is, of course, yes. 538 contributor Jeff Foster. Hi, Jeff.
1: Neil, are you going to go to a Rangers game in the new stadium?
2: Oh, yeah, I would love to. I'm not sure if we'll have time, but uh, if so, I- I'd love to check it out. Although I'm not like a, a stadium, you know, completionist. Oh, not a stadium guy? I mean, I'm not opposed to like, you know, trying out new stadiums, but I'm not trying to, you know, I don't treat them like Pokemon. Fair enough
0: stadiums were the original pokemon okay that's right (laughs) well actually let's talk really quickly i want to start the show with my uh my biggest question from the weekend which is how did that cat that fell during the (laughs) miami appalachian state game how how was it what was it doing in hard rock stadium at all but much less, like, hanging. How, how? I thought
2: I just had zero context when I saw that clip, but then I realized there's just, there is there zero context. There is zero context,
0: context right.
2: Did someone, did someone push the cat
1: off? How did they know the cat was going to fall? Also, I have another question. Aren't, come on, I, I know it was a long drop, but aren't cats supposed to land on their feet? Like, are we sure the cat couldn't have handled that on its it own? It
0: probably would have been fine. It's actually, cats, cats are better from slightly higher distances than, like, like falling a story is probably worse for them than falling um, a couple stories. Oh my god, I'm not gonna get into cat trivia. In no, it's true though because <laughs> they do
2: need, they they need time to kind yeah, of uh, they can like straighten themselves, themselves out and yeah, yeah
0: exactly. Uh, the saving of the cat was the only good thing that happened in college football this weekend. That's that's my stance oh, on that. Oh, of course, and we're Sarah. Yeah,
2: your your Iowa State. Ooh.
0: I had possibly the worst sports weekend. You can you can have and oh, that is, is
2: bad too
1: yeah
0: you mm, had a
2: rough
1: one
0: mm-hmm. also tottenham lost it was a really bad weekend <laughs> like multiple iowa state teams lost volleyball soccer everything was bad just everything was bad so we're just gonna pretend that weekend didn't happen and move on with our lives so yeah.
1: By the way, the ca- the cat thing w- was only outdone this weekend by the FedEx Field raw sewage dumping on the fans <laughs> that was in funny. the middle of a game. I mean, what <laughs> that is just felt on
0: brand. I, that that, <laughs> that was,
1: I mean, in the middle of the game, yikes.
0: Yeah. What a yeah. That's, you're not expecting that when you go to a game. <laughs> no, no, nor
1: should you be expecting that.
2: Although, I don't know, there is like that suspicious um, on the seating chart, there's something labeled sewage zone. No, so yeah, I you think should, they probably shouldn't have sat sh- in that.
0: You should question that.
2: A yeah, right. Yeah. Should I be stadium? in the sewage zone or not? Because the difference is $15. <laughs>
0: On today's show, we'll review the weirdness from the NFL's first week, then we'll talk about some of the pitching records being broken in MLB, and finally, we'll take a deep dive into data with our rabbit hole of the week. The NFL's return was certainly a lot. We had a great Monday night football game last night. Matthew Stafford showed us what he could do outside of Detroit. Sam Darnold showed what he could do to the Jets, so that was fun. We had a few teams just dominate, and then we had a few teams that didn't seem to show up. Shout out to the completely winless NFC North. You're doing great, guys. And maybe the biggest surprise of the weekend was the NFC North's Aaron Rodgers throwing two interceptions while Jameis Winston was kicking off the post-breeze era with five touchdowns for the Saints. On ESPN's first take, Stephen A. Smith did not mince words about how Rodgers' performance reflects on his career. He
1: was so awful. He was so awful that embarrassing doesn't even begin to describe. And I'm going to say something that I don't say about too many professional athletes. And I'm certainly not accusing as if I know definitively this is true. I'm just talking about, uh, you know, uh, the optics, how it looked. It looked like he didn't care. He looked like he did not give a damn about how he played or how this outcome ended
0: up being. So things did look pretty bad for the Packers. Jeff, do you think this is a case of Green Bay's quarterback being a little bit in jeopardy, I guess? Or did the game tell us more about the strength of the Saints?
1: I think it was a little of both. I'm not ready to, like, panic on the Packers, and I don't think Packer fans should panic. I'm not saying they are, but... um, This team has not, you know, Matt Lafleur is like not a guy who plays his play. Not saying preseason is the be-all end-all because it's it's far from that. Um, But these guys have not been playing in in live game together. They didn't play at all in the preseason, so I think there was a certain amount of rust that was to be expected. um, Whether that's Rodgers or whether that's the whole offense, I mean, David. Uh, Bakari's out. Who's by far their most important offensive lineman, and and we we've seen in the past that this team has not been as good when he's not in there. I mean, he really is essential. I think to making that offense go at, at when it's going on all cylinders, um, he he needs to be involved. Um, and then you know on the other side. The Saints' defense is good. I mean, you know, they they're especially good against the run. They basically took that whole component out. They got up early and 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 forced Rogers to take on a very challenging defense and 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 make throws. and And he clearly he was just off. I mean, he was it was very un rodgers like. He was not accurate. So it was a very un rodgers like performance. But I'm not. I mean, the guy won the MVP last year. I mean, we've seen quarterbacks decline, and I think there's a few out there who. I would be worried about Matt Ryan. That are kind of reaching the the end of the line. He, I do not think he's one of them. I think it, there's no reason to believe that this offense won't get it all together in a couple of weeks. But um, uh, you know, more specifically, next week when they play the Lions,
0: <laughs> yeah, there's a good opportunity there. Someone so does have to win that game. When
1: they come out and score 55 points against the Lions on Monday night, I think we'll not be talking about this game so much. But um, you know, if anything, I, I think it showed. I was more interested in the Saints. I well, I was equally interested in, in both teams' <laughs> performance, but I think the Saints is just as interesting um, because, you know, we were all curious what Jameis would look like, and this was a very, you know, unJameis like performance. You know, it was it was very efficient. Five touchdowns on what a hundred and forty yards or yeah, something. One hundred fifty yeah. yards. Um, no, no mistakes, and you know, obviously. Kamara is great. And if if he has that threat of the deep ball, which he showed that, you know, Breeze himself made fun of, um, which was quite funny, uh, <laughs> th- that gives the offense an- another dimension and makes him kind of even scarier. If he can also do the kind of game managing role and, and let Kamara do his thing, um, they're pretty scary. And it also wasn't at the Superdome um, where they're, you know, usually. A more intimidating team so you know it was pretty impressive performance for them i'm not worried about the packers to answer your question though
0: <laughs> good good to know did I, I pick the packers in our draft no
2: no i did uh Sarah did. Um,
0: yeah no but i do you know i i'm not really worried about them either and i'm not really really worried about rogers really ever worried about them are you because no you don't I, like them. i'll be okay either way let's just say that um. No, I, but I do think there's there's this interesting narrative now about the, you know, the conspiracy theories about Rogers and like that he let his team down by not being there during all of training camp. And, you know, that's why this happened. And I, I don't really think that I do think it's interesting, like does he
2: really want to be doing this
0: anymore? Does he really want to be there? That I mean, that's that was the question really all summer.
2: I mean, he was mad last year. He's been mad since the Jordan Love thing, and he came out and he had an amazing year. So, you know, when we spun it that way at the time, where it was like, well, Aaron Rodgers just is proving the doubters wrong and proving the Packers front office who he hates wrong. Uh, And so now it's like, uh, if he comes out and, and plays poorly and like Stephen A said, uh, he looked like he didn't give a damn. You know, like, I don't know. You could have said that last year, but he actually played great and clearly did give a damn. So why wouldn't he this year as well? So I don't know. I feel like that's another one where it's like, we're going to spin it however we spin it. Yeah, They looked they look terrible. Like they look like crap, Uh, you know, like there's no other way to say that. And, and it did have a tangible effect on their playoff odds. And, you know, it's funny to say that after only one week of the season, And we even have an extra week of the regular season this year compared with normal. Well, I guess this is normal now, uh, the 17-game season. Um, But, you know, I think that if you're going to pick a game to maybe come out and look like crap in, maybe week one isn't the one to to do it in. Uh, But like you said, uh, uh, Jeff, they can turn it around pretty easily, um, you know, just next week.
0: Well, I mean, you bring up an interesting point about week one. Maybe that shouldn't be, you know, I think a lot of times week one is like, oh, the teams have the rust or whatever, but maybe week one is actually pretty important. And like, how much should our expectations shift? After this first week for for Green Bay, for New Orleans, for any team, should we be more cautious because it's only week one or is this the week really where the, you know, the rubber meets the road?
2: Yeah, well, one of the great ironies of, you know, sort of taking a more measured probabilistic approach to analyzing football is that week one does matter quite a bit and does tell us a lot because it's sort of this double whammy. And uh, Ben Morris wrote about this for our site uh, a number of years ago. Where you sort of learn a lot about a team just by having like some sample of, of seeing them in actual action for the first time as currently constituted. You know, uh, we 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 know how we think teams are going to be based on the previous season, but I think we said last week that preseason predictions don't always have the best track record. So sort of seeing results from in the current season is always going to be more valuable. And then there's the matter of the the record does have an effect on your odds of making the playoffs. And this was true when Ben wrote his story in the, um, uh, the different number of teams making the playoffs, like a previous era uh, uh, of the NFL's format. But I think it still holds true. So he found that The difference between going one and oh and oh and one was a 29 percentage point difference in your odds of making the playoffs. Uh, and that that is actually aside from the swings that you'll get in sort of the last week of the season, so like the difference between nine and seven and eight and eight or something like that, which can have like a huge effect. Really, that that week one number is about as high as you're going to get there are some other ones where like you know the difference between going um you know five and four and four and five has like a huge uh outsized uh swing on your playoff odds because you're sort of moving ahead to the back half of the uh, of uh, the regular season, uh, depending on whether you have a winning or losing record. Uh, but really, yeah, the it's surprising how much of an effect the first week has. And you even see that in our model when we ran the numbers. For instance, New Orleans, after that embarrassing loss, I guess Aaron Rodgers doesn't want to call it embarrassing, but his coach does, uh, <laughs> loss. They went from being 70% to make the, or uh, 72.6% to make the playoffs to only 50.8%. And really, New Orleans kind of mirrored that. They were up from 47% to 70% to make the playoffs. And you might think, whoa, those are huge swings on the basis of just one game and one week. Uh, and and there's a lot of season left to be played. But I think it does speak to that double effect of you have the effect of the game itself, and then also you have the the way that our opinion about a team can kind of coalesce and start to at least coalesce once we actually see them in action for the first time and what we saw from the Packers was not good
1: and yet they are tied for first in the
2: NFC North Let's yeah, not forget which, that, which is, you know, uh, the I should say that number that we ran that was like in the immediate wake of that game. So didn't quite know that the Bears. Well, I mean, I think we all could see the Bears losing that game on <laughs> Sunday night. Uh, but, uh, you know, so they do have now it's a 54 percent chance uh, of of making the playoffs after all of the dust has settled on week one. But, yeah, it knows about the bad division I, I is my still, point. No, but, yeah. I,
1: yeah, I still think that the point is I still think that's the worst division in in football. Mm-hmm. Um, no offense, Sarah, but, you know, I None the, Viking, <laughs> the Vikings lost to the Bengals, and the Lions look like it's going to be an interesting year. And uh, I don't know about the Bears. I mean, they're playing a the top Rams, too.
0: The Lions, like, showed by far the most... Like, Certainly, they showed
2: a lot of fight at the end, yeah, like, like in the last offense, like two sure. minutes of that game. Um, yeah, on offense. I, yeah, I mean, I think it's the defense.
1: I'm a little more worried about. Um, actually, I was worried about both. I mean, it was the offense did show some things, so there is something to take away from that performance. That said, the Buccaneers did lose. L- at Saints to start the year last year. So there is immediate precedent for losing at Saints to start a season and to go on and win a Super Bowl. Granted, I think the Bucks a little bit better performance than um that was kind of you know an erratic brady performance i remember he threw a couple interceptions and a couple bad interceptions but clearly not as bad as what was going on with the packers yesterday but
0: that's what's so funny about how narratives are formed like we the narrative from the bucks is that it took them like half a season to figure out how to play together um with all of their new components and like and and a new offense and all of that and like looking backwards that narrative is like oh yeah that's definitely what happened right like we all accept that so the narrative but at the time nobody really knew what was going on it was like maybe brady's done is brady done no of course not brady is never done never never done. never, never, never think done. that brady said and so this is interesting, too. We'll have to, like, bookmark this moment and come back when, you know, the Packers have rattled off 10 wins in a row and are, you know, humming on all c- cylinders.
2: Well, I do wonder, though, like, you know, with that Bucks team, they did have they were breaking in like a lot of new players. Um, and certainly the most important player was new to their system. And it was coming off COVID, you know, the uh, kind of limited practice uh, in camp and all that. Whereas, like the Packers don't have that excuse. Yes, it was a drama-filled off season, but they basically brought back like most yeah. of the people from last year.
0: No, no, this story writes itself, Neil. This is this is a this is Rogers finds his drive to to succeed. He again, tells you
2: everybody know? to relax. Right, and which is already done,
0: which is yeah. great. <laughs> yeah, we
2: we have kind of seen this also. Like yeah. Aaron Rodgers is the king of like. I, I don't know if it's just him. I guess maybe we do this with every quarterback, but after he lays an egg, we everybody just kind of freaks out, and then you know he'll he has seasons where he's proven them wrong, just like last season. So you know who doesn't freak yeah. out?
0: Vikings fans, because we know we understand how this goes. <laughs> I am not fooled by that crappy Packers performance. Well, so where else in the league are we seeing big shifts in expectations? Like. Jeff, does it mean anything that the Texans beat the Jags? No, no, No. (laughs)
1: let's not. (laughs) That means nothing. (laughs) Again, talk about bad. You know, I I think I said the NFC North was the worst division (laughs) in sports. Uh, In in the NFL, it it easily also could be the AFC South. In fact, looking at the AFC South, it might definitely be the AFC South. So let me uh, rephrase that as the (laughs) Packers are in the worst division in the NFC. Right. I think the Jags are going to be really bad. I, I was sort of thinking this before the season. I, I just don't think the Urban Meyer thing is going to work. And it's going uh... to.
0: How long is Urban Meyer going to last? That's the other fun question about the Jags. Does he leave for the USC job? That's. Uh... <laughs>
1: <laughs> In the middle of right now. After one yeah. week. I'm done. Yeah. That would be the yeah. most
0: Bobby
2: petrino like thing <laughs> to do.
0: <So> good. <laughs> that would be amazing.
1: Um, I mean, look, you know, kudos to the Texans and Tyrod Taylor. I I, I really thought they were going to be even worse, maybe, than Jacksonville, but um, clearly not. Uh, But I wouldn't read too much into it. Um, I, I think, remember, the Jags won their first game last year, and we were like, oh... Maybe they're not, oh, and then they lost every other game. So <laughs> it, 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 you don't want to read too much into one win in week one. But but there were definitely some interesting things. I mean, like AFC West is pretty interesting, actually. On the other side of uh, talk about a good division, I, I was very impressed with the Raiders last night um, in that new were stadium. Were you impressed with the Raiders? Or were you I kind of like, was. I, I kind of was. What, I thought really? the defense looked a lot better. I mean, obviously like Max Crosby was getting a lot of attention for what he was doing to Lamar Jackson. And I, I thought the defense w- w- looked better than we've seen in the past from the Raiders. And, I've never been a believer in Derek Carr, but he, did, he didn't look like it. It was some of the best I've ever seen him play last night. Granted, them almost blowing the game in overtime was hilarious and probably the most <laughs> raider thing I've seen in a while. But, you know, they did come around and, and win the game. So, you know, I was impressed I, against a, a good Ravens team. Granted, a banged-up Ravens team. But um, e- even Denver, their defense, you know, with Vaughn Miller back, granted, playing the Giants. So there's caveats all, all over the place. All over the place. Uh, <laughs> but still, I mean, it, it looks like there's no easy outs in that division it, is, is, is sort of what we suspected going into the year. But I, I think it definitely, you know, came, came true in the first week, at least. Um, Also, the Steelers, that's another team, you know, another team like we weren't really sure what to make of, um, especially in that division. And that was very impressive what they were able to do to make Josh Allen look like Josh Allen from two years ago, not one year ago. Um, So you know maybe 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 we we're wrong maybe we we're a little high on the bills but you know again it's it's hard to tell on the, the small sample size
2: but yeah and i think the two the two games that might have like the biggest chance of us looking back at week 1 and saying oh these shifted our opinions maybe in a predictive way are the bills and the steelers like you said jeff for sure And the the Cardinals and the Titans, I feel like that game might be sort of a a sign of things to come for both of those teams, because we were sort of thinking about, like, can the Titans, without Arthur Smith, although, like, you know, the Falcons we don't have to talk about the falcons um uh, but the, <laughs> we never uh, do that, no we never do uh but yeah they 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 did not look like uh the team that we were used to seeing the past couple of years and the cardinals on the other hand you know they they seem to be improved on defense um which was an area that was a weakness for them kyler murray still seems to be great so if that holds that could be a team obviously you're talking about weak divisions the nfc west is just a ridiculously tough division uh so you know we we won't know how that pans out until that sort of drag out fight starts but yeah those are the two games that i think if we're adjusting expectations based on one week of of play maybe those are the two that we circle when we come back and and look at things in retrospect
0: All right. Well, we can't leave our NFL conversation without dealing with some other very important business re-upping our NFL survivor pool. So as a refresher for our listeners, and definitely not for the hot takedown hosts who clearly remember last year's rules perfectly, (laughs) we're each going to pick a team to win in week two. If our team wins, we get a and Then we cannot use that team again for the rest of the regular season. And we'll do this every week during the regular season, and uh, and we can't use the same team that the our other hosts are using in that specific week as well.
1: And we conveniently skipped week one, which was an incredibly difficult Survivor week, uh, right. granted... The Niners probably would have, and the Rams, which were the two biggest favorites, both won. But beyond that, it was it was upsets all over the
0: place. Always skip week one in Survivor Pool. You don't know anything about these teams. That's my that's my take. <laughs>
2: That's smart. I like that. Yeah,
0: yeah. We can though. We can make use of uh, 538's NFL forecasting game for this, which everyone should go check out. If you, uh, if you're into Elo ratings and you want to pick against 538's Elo, this game is hilarious, and a lot of 538ers are competing against each other. Um, you can test uh, test your your knowledge of these games and your your pickem abilities against our model. Um, so I will of course be using our probabilities to figure this out. So as always, our producer has rolled some d100s to determine the random order of of our of, of our pool. So this week the pick order is Jeff, Neil, Sarah. Jeff, which team would you like?
1: Okay, I wasn't expecting the first pick, but I'm gonna go. I don't know why I wasn't expecting it. It was a one in three chance. Um, I'm clearly <laughs> delaying here. I'm gonna go with the Cleveland Browns. You know they played. They outplayed the Chiefs, who looked amazing, by the way. That, that was another takeaway. Um, that oh, by the way, the Chiefs are really good, and that hasn't changed. Um, I think they'll handle the Texans, even though uh, you know it gives me a little pause of the Texans. Looked competent, but I think that was more had to do with Jacksonville. I'm hoping that, that had more to do with Jacksonville than than had to do with the Texans all of a sudden being good with Mark Ingram and Tyrod Taylor. Uh, so, give me the Browns. I think they'll get their first win. I think this is the easiest game on their schedule, so I feel confident using them.
0: Nice, I like it, Neil.
2: Okay, uh, I am gonna take. Let's see. You know what? I uh, this was a good strategy for us last year was to pick the the worst team. In that case, it was the Jets. But I, I think um, I'm gonna go with the um, the Jaguars as the worst team yep. and just spam them. So I'm gonna take Teddy Bridgewater and the Broncos against the Jacksonville Jaguars.
0: Yep. Nope. On the a, road. That's a good pick. On, is the on the road, road. But like, if you look at some of bad. the other.
2: Yeah. yeah, if you look at some of the other um, lopsided matchups, you know uh, they're they're teams that I want to keep in my pocket uh, for the rest of the season. So yeah,
0: um, yeah. I see. This is yeah. The road thing is tricky. I want to take the Patriots, um, but that doesn't feel. I mean, they're gonna win but it feels uncertain. I also actually really want to take the Cardinals. Um at home against the Vikings, that feels like a game. Oh, do it. Don't do I, that. Don't
2: do although that. Although you might want the Cardinals later.
0: <laughs> I and might don't want take the, the Patriots.
2: Later. The Patriots are 0 1 for the record. But they're playing the Jets.
0: Right. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, you're saying don't take the Patriots and don't take the Cardinals. Don't bet against you, either look, the Jets Sarah, or the you Vikings. Can do
1: you can, this is America. You can do whatever you want. <laughs> Um, you can take the Cardinals and Cliff Kingsbury against the Vikings if you want, and you can also take the Patriots against the Jets. Don't let me influence you. (laughs)
0: Um, I'm going to, I'm going to take the Cardinals. I I think, I think they're going to win that game. Um, and they have a lot of, they have a very difficult schedule because of where the division they play in. So I feel okay using them off the bat. That's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna again hedge my emotional bets, um and, and go with that.
1: We left some big spreads out there. I mean, no we one did. took Tampa against home against Atlanta. And no one took the aforementioned
0: Aaron Rodgers
1: and the Page Patri- and the Packers against the Lions.
0: That was gonna be my my backup choice if I talked myself out of the Cardinals. I this is the thing about Survivor Pools, like saving the teams for some other moment. And I'm I'm don't really know exactly how to do that my strategy is not quite determined yet
1: yeah because it's not like a real survivor pool where if you lose because that would be just boring if, right, lost if we lost and you were out. out it would just yeah. be sarah picking alone in week three <laughs> but the fact <laughs> Yay, that you can me. you can truly <laughs> you truly save teams makes it a little bit yeah. A little more, you know, a little more strategy.
0: All right. Well, we'll uh, we'll we'll get some immediate feedback about our about our strategies and see how this all works. I think this is a good time to take a break, but we'll be back in a moment to talk about baseball. Baseball's regular season is winding down, but still breaking records. On Saturday, the Brewers Corbin Burns and Josh Hader combined to no-hit the Cleveland Indians, the season's ninth no-hitter. This breaks the record for most no-hitters in a season, although we can certainly talk about the inclusion of combined no-hitters and whether those should, you know, count. We actually talked a lot about no-hitters when there was a whole run of them back at the beginning of this season. So we're going to have a little taste of our own medicine for our take this week. On 538's Hot Takedown podcast, Jeff Foster dismissed the idea that the run of no-hitters would balloon out of control.
1: It just inherently, it's hard to throw a no-hitter. I don't think we're ever going to see a no-hitter like... You know 20 a season or something like that
2: i mean we're on pace for that jeff we're on no pace but i i
1: it. think it's a little mm-hmm. random okay and also you know i think in terms of the league hitting numbers and neil you would know more about this than me so feel free to correct me after i say <laughs> it but aren't doesn't the hitting tend to go up a little bit in the july and august in the high summer months it does just a little bit Okay, no, it so does. I, That's I don't totally wanna, true. I don't want to read too much into the the hitting being down, even though it clearly is down. But the no hitters, to me, look at the pitchers who throw them. That's all you need to know. It's not, you know, Walker Bueller and Jacob Degrom and all the dumb. It's a bunch. Of, it's Spencer Turnbull <laughs> and John Means. It's random.
0: So Jeff, how are you feeling about that take now after the no hitter record was broken?
1: I'm just confused. Of all the <laughs> dumb things. I mean, we could put together a great, and we should do this just for entertainment's sake, a great collection of dumb things and bad predictions Jeff makes. I don't even (laughs) think this was a bad take. This is a good
2: take. Yeah, it seemed pretty accurate, frankly. You said there wouldn't be 20 and there weren't. There weren't, and also, uh, we did that, so
1: I believe we we recorded that after the Corey Kluber no-hitter on May 19th, when there was one on May 18th, Spencer Turnbull, and then May 19th, there was another one, it was back-to-back days. There were only three more no-hitters, and two of them were combined no-hitters, which, frankly, I don't count. I don't think those are really no hitters. I, I think yeah. those are nice team accomplishments, but I don't think that this is not a shared stat. I don't believe in this, you know, lumping in these shared no hitters. Um, granted, Carbon Burns, Josh Hader was a little bit different than the one the Cubs had in June, where it was like four pitchers. Yeah. And then the only other one that was actually a true no hitter was Tyler Gilbert, whoever that is. <laughs>
0: Uh, he is a pitcher who's thrown a no-hitter, obviously. Okay. Wasn't
2: it like his first career start or yeah. something? Yeah. like yeah. It was kind of insane. So
0: yeah, that
1: totally vindicates what I say in the back half of that quote about it being completely random. Case in point, Tyler Gilbert for the Diamondbacks throws a no-hitter against the Padres in a completely random, completely fluky performance.
0: I, I think you're right. I also I want to dig in a little bit more to the combined no-hitter thing and why... Those don't feel the same. I mean, it really is a different issue, right? That a a pitcher coming out inning after inning and batters having to see the same pitcher over and over versus a like, you know, a flamethrower closer like hater coming in for the ninth, who routinely shuts down batters with no hits in a single inning, because that's much easier to do. Should those count? Should we get rid of those in the in the overall count?
2: I yeah, I feel like those should be in their own separate category. They're nice, like you said, Jeff, they're a they're a team accomplishment. Uh but it, it is it's like doing it on easy mode, you know, comparatively. <laughs> like we know that it's harder to Limit the opposing team the more times that you've gone through the order, whether that's because of familiarity, whether that's because of fatigue, it's a combination of both, uh, most likely. And so, like it's inherently more difficult to throw a no hitter when it's just you and you got to keep going back out there nine innings compared with like if teams wanted to engineer no hitters you could do it in like throw out your most dominant starter uh have them pitch you know five innings or whatever and then just throw like bullpen guys just max effort inning after inning after inning i'm not saying that like It's easy to do that, and in many ways that's how teams do it. But especially like if you're just trying to kind of focus on like, okay, let's just strike out everyone possible, never let the ball get put in play, we don't care about walks, we don't care about hit batsmen, all we care about is not giving up hits, it, it, it seems like it's, you know, a lot easier to do that if you have your starter get yanked uh, and and put in this procession of guys throwing 96, 97, 98 miles per hour. I don't know. So I, I think that that's a different category. I think it's 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 an easy mode version of the, the no hitter.
1: <laughs> was Corbin Burns annoyed that he, I mean, I would have been annoyed. I mean, he had one more inning against the Indians. He was completely dominant, 14 strikeouts. He only had one walk who's only at 115 pitches which I guess in this day and age is a lot but still what one, one, one inning i mean it took it it took eight or nine pitches i mean is that really going to be the difference between something he can always kind of hang his hat on
0: i guess i feel like this close to the playoffs you don't take chances with you know one of your aces you 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 got to like that's got to be their focus right and not on a no hitter. I mean, yeah, I think it's probably a conversation. I wonder how much Burns had, you know, whether he got a say in that or not, and I'm not sure. I should ask some Brewers fans about that.
2: Well, the fans were certainly not happy. It seemed like a lot of people were mad, which always kind of happens, you know, when um, when somebody gets pulled. You know, and they're on yeah. the verge of of an accomplishment like that. But like, I don't know. This is where we're at, though. I mean, that's like I think we 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 see that happen more often. And then you have to fall back on the consolation prize of well, it was a combined no hitter. He was part of a combined no hitter club. Now, yeah. does does Corbin Burns get to say? I don't know. On his like, can he say he's thrown a no hitter? Not really. He could say he's no, been part he of a no hitter. He did. Yeah. He
1: definitely can.
2: He's Sorry, been Corbin. part of a no hitter that was thrown by the team. That's yeah. like a lot less cool. They're not going to put that on his Hall of Fame plaque necessarily, you know, like was part of a team accomplished no hitter in September 2021. Whatever. I don't know. it's It just seems so against the spirit of the original spirit of the no-hitter and of just, you know, starting pitching in general is you take that ball and they got to pry it out of your cold, dead hand, uh you know, to get you out of that game. uh It's like the Jack Morris school. I don't know. I feel like we've swung the pendulum so far in the opposite direction that now I'm like yearning for the old days of like the bulldog pitcher that, you know, says, screw you. I'm not coming out of this game. Like, I know- got a no-hitter coming. Yeah, I,
0: I, I, I agree. I, I understand that. Also, though, if I'm a Brewers fan, I want this team to be I want I want to win a World Series. I mean, this is a team that could really could really push to go far in the in the postseason. And I just like one game, a no hitter. It's like cool, but very fleeting. And also, as we've said, not that big of a deal anymore. So like, is it is it worth it? I don't know. Now, if he had had a perfect game, you know that's it. He only All had one. All bets are off there. Yeah, he had one walk. Otherwise, he would have been. So then maybe that calculus changes. I don't know. I do. I kind I, of other- agree with
2: that, Sarah. Yeah, I kind of agree with that. That a perfect game is worth keeping a guy in, whereas yeah, no hitter. You yeah. sort of, especially since like yeah, you're you're right that he could get hurt he's thrown a lot of pitches you want to save him for the postseason uh this is something that you know a no hitter is something that a bunch of random people have done if tyler gilbert has done it can it really be that special
0: right <laughs> <laughs> poor tyler gilbert is getting he's a been lot our, of grief our, this morning yeah, we're yeah. piling on wade miley <laughs>
2: has thrown multiple no hitters in his yeah. career maybe we should yeah. be um you know uh, taking a dump on him the be-
0: I think the the better stat from that game to me. So the Indians have been no hit three times this season. The pitcher in all three was Zach Pleasak. That is brutal. I mean, and he only gave up two earned runs, like in this game. Like, what a you know, talk about no run support. Your team yeah, we talk about no run hit. support. <laughs> yeah. Well, We
2: should start talking about hit support.
0: Yeah, just give me anything, guys.
1: You know, just just looking back on it, it was actually it's actually very very rare to have a pitcher throw eight innings in a in a in a shared no hitter. If you go back and look at the shared no hitters. Okay, so this year, Zach Davies threw six innings. Uh, 2019, Aaron Sanchez threw six innings. 2018, Walker Bueller threw six innings. And all these guys, their bullpens went on to to continue the no-hitter. Cole Hamill, six innings. You have to go all the way back. That was 2014 for the Phillies. You have to go all the way back... To 19, 1997, this is a weird one, Francisco Cordova threw nine innings, Rincon threw, that was a 10-inning no-hitter, Ooh. so that doesn't really count. Let's go all the way back to 1960, I have it right here, 67, where Steve Barber threw eight and two-thirds, and Stu Miller for the Orioles came in and finished the no-hitter with one out. And that's really the only time that's happened.
0: I'm looking at the game story and it sounds like council wasn't going to let Burns come even back out for the eighth and Burns fought to pitch the eighth so he said he said I had to fight pretty hard for the eighth to come back out so I knew I had no shot for the ninth that's interesting like he came out of the game in the eighth knowing he wasn't going to go back in that's kind of funny he also said uh if there was anyone I would want to come out there for the ninth, it would be Josh Hader. So you know, Great. it's a team, okay. it's a team You're the game, best guys. In baseball. It's a team game. Yeah,
2: yeah. I liked how the, um, you know, we we had this crisis early in the season with the no hitters from the episode that we took our take from, <laughs> and uh, it, it felt like it was like the hitters are just hopelessly overmatched and and uh, you know th- this is a crisis for the game of baseball and i think the ban on sticky stuff and maybe some other factors uh, came into play and things kind of equalized which is basically what you predicted jeff that like yeah, I know. we got well, it the was record a great take. It was a record, it was a record juiced by those, again, kind of questionable, multiplayer, uh, you know, uh, combined no hitters, whatever. Uh, And, and at the same time, it's like, it's kind of cool to see those. I'm not feeling the crisis. Maybe I just You know, uh, I'm in denial about the state of baseball and (laughs) don't want to do the hand-wringing thing or whatever. But I don't know. I I feel like that mid-season change with the sticky stuff and then just natural regression kind of brought things to a more normal point where we weren't having a no-hitter every it seemed like every night uh yet at the same time we're still like getting some cool accomplishments i don't know
0: yeah i can't believe we're going to end this segment with uh, i guess jeff was right that's terrible <laughs> it's, it's, that that feels bad but i guess i guess we are all right we could talk about this topic forever but i think we can wrap it up for now let's take a break and we'll be back in a moment for a rabbit hole of the week 538 we often find ourselves falling down various rabbit holes of data some lead to stories some don't we end each week's show with one of those descents the hot takedown rabbit hole of the week Neil take it away
2: Well, we've talked a lot on the show about the upcoming changes to the college football conference landscape, most notably involving Oklahoma and Texas's massive moves from the Big 12 to the SEC for what's most likely the 2025 season. I guess there's a chance they could uh, worm their way out of those uh, contracts earlier, but it sounds (laughs) like it's going to be 2025 But I could not resist making today's rabbit hole about one more related tidbit uh, to that from this past weekend's college results. So on Saturday, the number 15 ranked Texas Longhorns traveled to Razorback Stadium to face Arkansas for a non-conference matchup that will eventually morph into a conference matchup in just a few years when that move happens. It was Texas's first SEC opponent since the conference move was announced, and ostensibly it was an easy chance for the Longhorns to make a great first impression against their soon-to-be new conference rivals, really put everyone on notice that, hey, we're part of the SEC, we're facing SEC competition. Arkansas was unranked going into the game. They went 3 and 7 last season uh, solely against SEC competition. They went 2 and 10 each of the two previous years before that. They haven't gone 500 since 2016. Over the previous 10 seasons, Arkansas was a combined 41 and 69 going into the game, including a 16 and 58 mark within the SEC. Yet yeah, was a road game against a Power 5 opponent. But as far as those things go, this was looking like a fairly routine game for Texas on paper. And according to ESPN's Football Power Index model, the Longhorns had a 68% chance to win before kickoff. So, of course, after kickoff, Texas <laughs> punted or missed a field goal on each of its first seven drives. It failed to score any points in the first half. It fell into an early 16 to nothing hole, eventually went down 33-7 to at one point. It ultimately gave up 333 rushing yards and 40 points to a team that averaged only 151 and 26 per game last year, respectively, in those categories, and they lost by 19. After the game, the Fayetteville crowd of nearly 75,000 fans rushed the field and tore down the goalposts at Texas's expense. (laughs) So much for that first SEC impression. The irony of a big-name conference hopper losing to one of the worst teams in its future conference wasn't lost on anyone, but it's actually surprisingly hard to find similar instances of these unwelcome meetings with a future conference foe. Uh, What I did was I dug into our ELO college football database and I looked for all games where a team, first of all, played for a different conference than the one that they currently occupy within the next five seasons. So it's kind of like that Texas and Oklahoma, you know, by 2025, they'll be in the SEC. So you have to be in a different conference than, uh, than that now, but you will join that conference in the future. And I threw out teams that would kind of went from being in a conference to becoming independent, though a team that went from being independent to joining a conference would count. Uh, second of all, they had to play an opponent from the new conference that they would be joining in the future within those five seasons. Third of all, they had to have at least a 65% chance of beating that opponent. According to Elo, I don't have uh football power index going back forever, but it, it should be pretty similar. And then number four, most importantly, they ended up losing that game against the future conference rival. That search yielded only 35 Contests going back to Tulsa's seven to nothing loss to future Missouri Valley Conference rival Oklahoma State as a seventy nine percent favorite in November of nineteen thirty three. I'm guessing that game was not particularly fun to watch. A seven nothing Tulsa loss to Oklahoma State. Nineteen thirty three. Uh, I love
0: 1933. it. Nineteen thirty three. Missouri Valley. Yeah. Love that.
2: Right. <laughs> uh, for the majority of college football history, basically these games were just sort of independent teams that were gonna join a conference uh, in the future because the conference system was still kind of coalescing into place uh, and they got upset by some team that was, you know, roughly on their same level. This was well before the era of television and big money really came to dominate the sport. There are other scattered uh, games on that list that in really kind of technically met our conditions. One of them is Notre Dame lost to Duke in 2016. Uh, so Notre Dame eventually would join the ACC because of COVID-19 for one season in 2020, but only for that season. They're back to being independent. So technically it met our qualifications, maybe not in the spirit of it. I don't think Notre Dame was trying to prove that they, you know, could hang with the uh, ACC big dogs like uh, the Duke Blue Devils, Uh <laughs> So by my reckoning... There are really only just a few games that truly fit the spirit of introducing oneself poorly to a new conference uh, in, in the mad dash of the 21st century conference realignment craze. In 2004, Boston College was preparing to leave the Big East for the ACC, and what better way to announce that you're ready to do that than to lose 17-14 to, to Wake Forest uh, <laughs> in the season before you leave. Ouch. Uh, similarly, in 2011, TCU seemed pretty excited to move from the Mountain West to the Big 12, uh, the following year so of course they went out and immediately lost 50 to 48 against future conference rival and existing in-state rival Baylor who was led by Robert Griffin III at the time and I'm not really sure what kind of aspirations Middle Tennessee State and UT San Antonio had before joining the Conference USA or as I like to call it CUSA in 2013 Uh, but (laughs) they were upset by Memphis and Rice respectively which wasn't necessarily the best way to set the tone for their new conference memberships Anyway... This has all been admittedly a little unfair to Texas. Arkansas's recent recruiting classes are better than their poor records over the past decade give them credit for. They actually rank 28th overall in 24-7 sports talent composite right now. So the Razorbacks weren't this total pushover that maybe you would think just based on the, the, the past decade's wins and losses for the Longhorns to flex their future SEC status against. And it should be noted that Texas isn't even the only prestige program that's kind Kind of up and down uneven results early this year USC which is the team Texas beat for the 2005 national title just fired head coach Clay Helton after losing 42 to 28 to Stanford on Saturday night and Miami their dominance in the early 2000s in the Big East actually precipitated their own conference leap to the ACC a very mediocre conference which I can say uh, from experience as a Georgia Tech alum that somehow the Hurricanes have never actually won they've never won the ACC they were supposed to come into that conference, take it over, never actually happened. And uh, we mentioned that in the opener of the season, uh, they got thrashed 44-13 to 13 by Alabama. And they barely beat Appalachian State in a game that was more notable for those Miami fans saving the fallen cat than anything that their team did on the field. Even Ohio State lost at home to Oregon, although I think the Ducks actually looked pretty good. Uh, So it's it's still really early in the season. Somehow Texas has a 0.4% chance to make the playoff right now, according to ESPN's predictor model. But it is fair to say at the same time that the Longhorns missed what looked like a clear chance to announce themselves as a future SEC powerhouse by routing Arkansas the way Bama, Auburn, and LSU usually do recently. And it really makes you wonder whether Longhorns are ready to join that echelon of the conference when they do actually join it. But hey, that's a few years off anyway. They're
0: not ready. They're not. And, and that's, I, you know, it's... It, We always love having our priors confirmed, right? (laughs) Like, I think, you know when that announcement was made, when the big 12 announcement was made, um, that OU and Texas were leaving, it was like, are you sure Texas? You really want, you can't win the big 12. You really want you to, want to, to the swim
2: the- with these sharks, yeah, Texas. Exactly.
0: And I didn't think the shark was Arkansas necessarily, but, and yet Arkansas, <laughs> yeah Shark-ansaw. yes, we
2: should, we
1: should give respect to the hogs here. I think they're better. I think they're a lot better. You look, even looking at their, their season last year, which where they also had Sam Pittman as coach, um, it doesn't look good, but again, they're in the the SEC West, and their one non-division game was Georgia. Uh, so, but even looking at that, they you know they had some really close games. They they lost uh, at Auburn by two. They lost uh, you know were within one or two scores to Texas A and M. They lost to LSU by three. They lost to Missouri by two. Granted, they lost to Alabama by fifty, but. There's some promising things there uh, going on in Arkansas. I think that ship is finally turning.
0: But I do. It's funny. I actually feel like, you know, yes, Texas had a lot to, you know, should have wanted to prove itself playing an SEC game. I feel like there are some lower level SEC schools that need to be a little concerned and should be like proving themselves to their only This stuff is not going to stop. We're going to keep having conferences shift and realign. And you can see a you know, a, a champions league of conferences forming someday. If I'm Arkansas, I have a I wanna prove that I that I belong still in the SEC. Like Vanderbilt maybe needs to have a similar attitude and not lose to East Tennessee State. Um, I, I I think I mean I think there is something there going the other way as well. Like Texas, the reason it's coming to the SEC is not because of good football. It's just because of money. So they don't really need to play good football, and they probably won't. Um, that's my, my hot Texas take. <laughs> I think they
1: would like to play good football, though.
0: Well, sure. <laughs> <laughs>
2: If it's at all possible, right. they'd prefer we all? that.
0: Sometimes that's not possible, guys. Sometimes <laughs> we take what the football universe gives us. <laughs> but that was that was quite a game. Um, thank you for that, Rabbit Hole Neil, And that will do it for this week's show. We will be back in your feed next Tuesday. If you like what you heard, please subscribe. And if you are subscribed, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. It helps new people discover the show. You can also email us at podcast at 538.com to let us know what you think. Our podcast producer is Sarah Shackett. Tony Chow is in the virtual control room. And our podcast commissioner is Chad Matlin. For Neil and Jeff, I'm Sarah. Thanks for listening. Talk to you next time.